Welcome, everyone, to Season 3, Episode 89 of the Premier Pod. I'm your host, Yashpika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. In this episode, we are going to start the show off with the confirmation that Liverpool have signed Champions League midfielder from Bayern Munich. I think he's, what, 29 or 30-year-old Thiago uh, from Bayern Munich for around the reported figure is basically 30 mil. So the figure that you, Liverpool are trying to bargain down this entire time to maybe 20 to 25, they ended up having to pay the full 30 to get Thiago away from Bayern Munich. But my goodness, they've literally signed a world-class midfielder to already add to one of the best midfields in the Liverpool or in the Premier League. But the signing of Thiago, I feel like he is a... For me personally, I'm pretty jealous. I, I guess this is how you felt when Donny van de Beek signed for Manchester United. This, I think how every Premier League club is feeling, the way uh, this jealousy that Thiago, that Liverpool have somehow managed to sign Thiago for such a cheap deal. But this is a great signing because for me personally, I think I think he's probably the best midfielder at Liverpool now with this really? signing. And yeah. Because I'm thinking more on, yeah, you could say Fabinho for his defensive abilities is better, but I would say on pure attacking, creativity, and just box-to-box tendencies, I think Thiago is better than Wijnaldum, he's better than Keita, and I think he's obviously better than Henderson. So, I don't know. I'd say Thiago is probably, with this signing, Thiago is the best midfielder at Liverpool right now. Hmm. That's a fair point. I definitely will say he's definitely now the most creative player on yeah. the team. He's, he's really he's gonna be that creative spark I feel like Liverpool were missing when I'd be like, man, sometimes you kind of miss Coutinho because sometimes you need that kind of player to unlock another player on the field to you know spray out a pass or just see an open run that maybe someone else wouldn't see. His vision is very, very good for a center mid. And mm-hmm. I think he'll slot in pretty well with the system because Liverpool tend to play like a 4-3-3. So he can take the spot of anyone like Wijnaldum or Henderson. I think they'll be the players that he'll probably alternate with. And for $30 million, I'm wondering why it took two months for them to negotiate this because it's like, all right, we spent all this time. It didn't even lower the price. It was just like, all right, it ended up being 30 million euros anyway. <laughs> so... <laughs> I think what happened was Liverpool trying to make it even lower than 30. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it just ended up being that. And I believe they have a slight compromise where instead of paying it all up front, they're going to be paying it in small increments from year to year. So that's kind of like the compromise. But Diago Alcantara, the former Barcelona man, Champions League winner of Bayern Munich this past season, he is a big addition to the team. And I think this will bring a lot of depth into that midfield too because I feel like we're missing that during the first game, which we're about mm-hmm. to go into. But he's going to be a, bring like a whole new dynamic, a whole new number six for the jersey as well. He's going to be replacing Lovren, I believe, and yeah. getting that number six because that's what he usually wears. That's what he wore at Bayern Munich. So that's going to be a, what a what a massive upgrade. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> That I, number at least. I, and I feel like... Until this year, I feel like he was very criminally underrated at Bayern because mm-hmm. Bayern, obviously, as we all know, have really good midfielders all the time. I mean, at one point they had Schweinsteiger, Lahm, uh, Muller was playing in the midfield, Vidal was in the midfield, and then recently with Kimmich and such, and you know, you throw in Coutinho, they had James Rodriguez. I mean, the list goes on and on. They had so many great midfielders that sometimes... A lot of, you know, Thiago was still very productive, but he was playing with such good players around him all the time. But I feel like now that he's come to Liverpool, I feel like a lot of people are going to see what makes Thiago one of the best midfielders in the world. And it probably will show FIFA that he shouldn't be an 86 rated player. I'll just throw that (laughs) out there. He should be a lot higher because he's a very good player. Um, And I don't know. It's it's just it's another sign of really good business from Liverpool on the um, transfer um, and I mean, they literally sold, you know, Adam Lallana, Dejan Lovren, and they brought in Thiago. I mean, that's really good on their end in terms of transfer dealings. But for me, with this signing, I'll say this up front. You know, I know last episode I made the prediction that City were going to win the title. But with this signing, I really think it's going to take Liverpool. It's going to give Liverpool that extra edge and give them that extra bit of creativity and quality that will take them to win the title again. I think they will repeat as champions because um, 
I, I, a signing like this just really will boost the entire club in general. Not that they needed it, but oh my gosh, signing a player of this quality. I, I could go on and on, but I think with this signing, Tyler, I think they, I think they will win the title. I don't think City have done enough in the transfer window to propel them to stay at number one for me. I think I'm not going to change it after this. I, I, I'm going to predict that Liverpool win the title now with this signing. Dude, it's like Yush likes the signing signing more than I do. Yeah. <laughs> he's he, he's a big Thiago fan. Yeah, but I'm uh, I'm going to be curious to see how he does in the Premier League because this will also be his first time playing mm-hmm. in this type of environment a lot more physical so we're, we'll see and you know at the later stages of 20 and early 30 yes. for his age it's going to be kind of a big difference mm-hmm. from what he's been used to playing his basically his whole life so i think under klopp it'll be a good addition and kind of going into this first game of liverpool versus leeds united for the first opener of the premier league yeah. season it really did show that liverpool needed that depth because once Keita, who had a somewhat decent game, not the best, was subbed off for Curtis Jones. Curtis Jones is a good prospect player, and he's been kind of proving throughout last season that he can have glimpses of promise. But I don't think he's at the level yet where he's going to definitely win you the game. I think he's not at, at the level of everyone else on the team, like, say, Wijnaldum or Henderson, at least in the midfield. You know, he's still one of those growing prospects. Like, if this was FIFA, he'd be like an upper 70. Like, we need someone who's going to be a game changer. And bring mm-hmm. in Thiago, he's going to bring in that depth. So, if, say, Thiago comes off the bench instead, then you for sure know something. something's going to happen. It's not like a maybe. It's going to be like, oh, it's for sure it's going to happen. And also, mm-hmm. he brings a whole other dynamic. Because for Curtis Jones, you kind of know he's a little... He's a little new, so you might need a lot of things. You might need a lot of time to learn. He might make a few mistakes, but for Thiago, the pro, pro, propensity and the chance that a mistake might come out from him is going to be a lot lower. So he's a lot more polished, basically. Yeah. But going into this game, like we we really couldn't make mistakes because every single mistake that Liverpool made, even Van yeah. Dyke made a mistake. I ben know Dyke, of Van all Dyke people. was making made a Phil Jones esque mistake on that one. He made like two, and I was like, yeah. "Dude, what's happening?" So our defense <laughs> was looking atrocious, but literally every single time Leeds could have pounced on an, a Liverpool mistake, they scored. And yeah. at a certain point, I think I saw Leeds were th- had three goals, and they only had four attempts. Yeah, and Liverpool had around fourteen, fifteen, and they only and they had the same amount of goals. So. <laughs> Leeds were very no. efficient with their chances, and they also had a lot bigger opportunities because of just the fact that Liverpool just did not look know. like they were the same Liverpool as last year. And this is something that a lot of pundits kind of pointed out to, where you know we're, people were predicting that Liverpool could end up finishing fourth in the Premier League at the end of the season, like fourth place from going from second the previous season to first place from winning it last season, and then to fourth. Mm-hmm. And then keeping the same players, basically, I don't know. Like, I feel like that's too big of a drop. But it is I mean, a little if you're not scary. If you're not consistent, it will bite you in the Premier League. That's true. And having Leeds United, who's a very good team, in my opinion, like we kind of read about them last podcast and previous podcasts as well. To concede three goals to them, that's also pretty bad. I know. And it, it was the. I, I will say this: the goal that really didn't look Liverpool s to concede was the Patrick Banford one, where it was literally Van Dyke had a huge mistake, and Banford just lifts it over Ali Son, and it's just I don't know. In the past two seasons, you never really see Liverpool make those type of, I guess, comedy like errors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, blunders, something like that. It just for me that type of blunder is more of a an indictment of the players maybe not being a hundred percent mentally sharp about. Um, going into the season. And I think, you know, that's why you need the new signings because those new signings will push the entire squad to be more mentally sharp because, um, you know, I, I think a lot of the goals they conceded was just based on the fact that they probably weren't, um, they probably weren't at their 100%, you know, thinking about what the game was going on. They were just kind of cruising a little bit, especially mm-hmm. when I think when they went 3-1 up, I think, or 3-2 up. Or was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it gave me a heart attack. But yeah, (laughs) I will. I will. I will say this: Leeds played a very unique game that I don't usually see in the Premier League, where they had a very unique blitz in terms Mm -hmm. of like their um, high press. 
where I feel like at certain points they had no defense. It was just everyone was like swarming On, the ball. Yeah. And at times, like there's at one point Mane got a goal from like the 50 yard line because um they they're blitzed so high up and like they pressed so high that like he was just open, but he was offside prior to the the kick. So like Leeds let can leave himself open for opportunities like that. But this same kind of high press from the, like the midfield too allows deep lying midfielders to run from you know deep and then the defenders can't keep up with everyone at one point one of the goals that liverpool conceded joe gomez had to mark three people at once yeah and that's why leeds had an open open shot and just scored it so bielsa has literally set up his team so well that even liverpool are struggling and like no to go four three down in the first game in the Premier League to the champions to the champions, I would say it's very promising. For, even though it's a loss, I still think it's kind of it's promising because they did end up shooting themselves in the foot with Rodrigo getting that and <laughs> that giving the pen, which is mm-hmm. I was very grateful for. But like it was, it was a little scary to see this Leeds team. I was like, they could defeat anyone if they played yeah. like this. I was like, holy cow! And um, it'll be interesting. Maybe it's yeah. It'll be interesting to see if they play up to the competition and they stay playing up to a this level. If they play a team that's a little bit lower than them or a team that's fighting relegation, we'll have to see. I was very interested because I was reading about Marcelo Bielsa and I also heard from the announcers that he, you know, exactly what you explained. His his style is um he wants his players to be really fit, super um athletic super you know in engage with their fitness so that they can run around the entire game and he demands a lot from his players and it was pretty crazy because they were telling his story about when he got to Leeds he literally painted um he got blue tape on his sidewalk or blue tape on the road and basically taped the road all the way to the training center so that way when he left his house he didn't have to think about where he went and he literally had all the cars um predetermined on the parking spots for each player and manager so that way they could all remove the thinking on where to park so he could spend more time thinking about the game. And I just think that's so fascinating. That just pretty much sums up Marcelo Bielsa, just that all around total football, do not care about anything else. Once, uh, you know, it's either football or die. Um, so for me, I think, you know, his team, we're going to see his team just play like that, where it's just going to be, you know, they really fight for the badge. They really play a really fun, super attacking style. But, you know, I'm full. I'm all for it. I think it's going to be super fun and entertaining to watch. And it's it's nice to have a, a different character too in the Premier League in Bielsa, who is not going to be afraid to um, speak his mind on things. Mm-hmm. Gosh, oh, but man. I, I will say I think um, real quickly. I think Rodrigo. Um, they also said that Bielsa doesn't like when his players make mistakes. So I kind of made the joke that with Rodrigo giving away this penalty being a new signing, I don't know if we're going to see him for a little while. I think he might yeah. be sent to purgatory for a little bit. I was going to mention <laughs> that because he literally got subbed on to get the game winner, but got the game winner for the wrong team. <laughs> so, I know. And then I, apparently Bielsa, as you're saying, is kind of petty uh, mm-hmm. as from historical evidence. So yeah, Rodrigo, he might not get some playing time. Patrick Banford might have just secured that starting role <laughs> for exactly. a good chunk of the season now. So. Yeah, we'll we'll have to see, but I mean, what what a game to kind of uh, start off like the opening day of the Premier League. I'm still shocked uh, by it. Like, I'm literally just yeah. stunned. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. But um, moving on to the Tottenham Everton game, um, this game was really interesting because Tottenham, you thought with uh, Mourinho's second season, a couple of like low key good transfers, um, squad being healthy again, that they would come out maybe firing out from the blocks, but. I will say this, Tottenham looked pretty bang average. And Everton, on the other hand, looked amazing. James Rodriguez, Decore, Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison, um, Alan in the midfield, um, the the defense, Pickford. I mean, everyone was, I believe, just firing off the gates. And I I believe Ancelotti was playing a 4-3-3 or like a 4-2-2 almost, like a 4-4-2. And I don't know. I think Ancelotti, I think, you know, I think he's going to be surprising a lot of people because this squad looks really good. And if there's one manager that knows how to get the best out of James Rodriguez, it's Ancelotti because he had him at Real Madrid and had him at Bayern Munich. So I'm excited. I really want to see James basically regain that 2014 World Cup form because he's really, he's a really exciting player to watch. And when he gets firing, he's just going to make 
Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin, Decore better. Uh, so if Everton fans, get excited. It's actually time to get excited if you're an Everton fan. This squad is looking pretty good. Everton are making my predictions for who would be top six a little worrying because yes. I, I had Tottenham at six, but I'm like, Everton could sneak in. Like this oh team gosh. is, ins- it's- it looks so promising. Calvert Lewin got the game winning goal, but Rich mm-hmm. Harlison, he could have got oh, a hat he looked trick. Good. He, looks he good. literally was on a solo run by himself and then missed an open goal because he just didn't look up. And then like a few other opportunities, he just hit wide or just the keeper saved it. So, Richarlison has been pretty wide open on these. And then Decore and Alan, as you said, like the new CDM pair that just mm-hmm. got slotted into the team. It's just, oh, it's, I'm like, quality. dang, that's literally what they're missing. I know. And, that and makes then you the have Andre Gomes. So you have Gomes <laughs> that can like pretty much like link up play from the, mm-hmm. from the, from like the back to the front and get the ball to James. I think they have not like Watford, a much higher quality version of Watford where they have a good mixture of really brute strength, but also a good mixture of, you know, those those intricate players that can play those little passes here and there because Calvert-Lewin is someone that is not is not going to be afraid to get um, roughed up and he's not afraid to basically really get stuck in and annoy the crap out of defenders. And Richarlison will do the same thing, but he's also, I think, a little bit, little bit more technical and then mm-hmm. James is obviously like the technical ma- technical maestro they have and then Alan can really pick out the you know pick out those passes Gomez can pick out those passes Seamus Coleman is not afraid to get dirty I mean Yeremina is there so they have a good they have a good mixture I would say of um brute strength not uh, th- that brute force and also that technical um ability that you need to succeed in the Premier League. So I like the way their squad is right now. Mm-hmm. And how cool is it to hear Hamas on the, yeah. just by the announcers? Just every time he was on the ball, I feel like he was gonna make something happen. Whether he was gonna spray the ball wide just from wherever he was. Right. Like he's left so quick. Finesse. Yeah, that left foot finesse is so fast, whether it's to find someone else on cross or like a long pass oh. or whether he's gonna whip it and try to hit like the upper 90 because several times he took a shot from outside the box. And then and he's, he's actually good. He's basically Coutinho on his left foot. That's like, that's how good his left foot is. Mm-hmm. It's insane. It's I'm like, Oh my, how did Everton get him? <laughs> it's oh. like, what the heck? It's like a whole yeah. different team. This Everton side. So I honestly think Everton fans, the Evertonians, the toffees are something to look forward to. But on the other side, Tottenham, what the heck? <laughs> they really yeah. look like a team that only bought kind of subpar transfers this yeah. this past window. And, and it showed. they really have. <laughs> they, it showed. Like Poibier started and Doherty started. Yeah. Um, I will say Doherty had that chance, but in general, Tottenham just looked flat. They didn't look that entertaining to watch. And, you know, that's the Jose Mourinho style of team. But if I'm a Tottenham fan, I'll get excited again. I know I'm saying you should get excited if you're any club, but. I mean, literally, they've pretty much confirmed, Fabrizio has basically confirmed that they have signed um, Sergio Regulon on a uh, on a uh, transfer, basically secured his signing as a transfer. And then they have brought back their beloved hero, their winger, Gareth Bale from Real Madrid on a one-year loan, which is insane. Um, the fact that Gareth Bale is going to be coming back to the Premier League, I never thought I would see the day. I really never thought I would see the day. And obviously, we all know Gareth Bale. He grew up with the Southampton Academy, got transferred over to Spurs, and then basically turned into a superstar um, at Tottenham and then moved to Real Madrid. Played, I, I, he, he's won so much at um, Real Madrid. He's won four Champions Leagues. He's won the Super Cup. He's won the Club World Cup. I mean, he's won La Liga. He's pretty much won everything you can win there. But towards the end of the days, there, Zinedine Zidane and him had a fallout. The fans really started to boo him and start to basically create this friction between him and the fans and the club. And it's unfortunate because I think Gareth Bale is still one of the best players in the world. And it's unfortunate that he hasn't really been given a chance to show that due to in, maybe by injury and also due to Zidane not playing him these past couple of seasons. But I mean, we've all seen it. If you've seen Champions League games, we've all seen it. Um, maybe he doesn't still has the same amount of pace, but he still has that insane left foot where he can just cut in and just hit it as hard as he can and he's still such a clever footballer so I'm just really excited to see if Mourinho can really get the best out of Gareth Bale and how he can basically play him Son Kane Deli Ali um I I don't know I'm excited 
I, I just, I, I'm so excited to see Gareth Bale. I think he's really going to tear up the Premier League again this season. Gareth Bale, when he was in the Premier League, scored some of the best goals oh. I remember. Like he just anywhere, on, it was like Thomas Rodriguez, except on steroids. He'd be like yes. 40 yards out. It's like, all right, finesse shot. It's like a broken player. He's got in so much in power life. in his foot. Mm-hmm. In his left insane. foot. And he's so fast too. Oh. I, I know he's 31 now. And maybe some of that engine is gone. He's, you know, a lot more prone to injury in the past several mm-hmm. seasons. He has a lot longer hair. Yeah. <laughs> so he doesn't look as aerodynamic. But <laughs> I think he has like it's a sort of leadership with him now. Like he was literally the carry for Tottenham before he left to Real Madrid. And now he doesn't have to be the carry. But at the same time, he might have to during certain games like this past game, if he was there, he might have to like put the team on his back because I feel like a little... When, the, when there's a little flatness, he has to be the one who puts in that little spice. He has to be yeah. the one who just takes the shots from just outside the box like Bruno Fernandes would for Man U. Just kind of oh, get the man. defense tested. God. And having Gareth Bale is just gonna, like such a big boost. It's like when Kaká went back to AC Milan after oh, yeah. Real Madrid. It's, it's, or, or when it's gonna be literally goes see. anywhere. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he's going to be you know the same. I still think, as you said, he's going to be world class, but how, is how cool like, is that though? I, I I've seen a bunch of Tottenham fans like they're they're so excited to have him back. But how cool is that for basically someone you saw develop into a superstar? Obviously, it's heartbreaking that he left. He won a lot, and now he's coming back with still a good amount of years to play, and mm-hmm. he wants to come back. Like he said, Tottenham is where I want to come back. I want to come back here. So yeah, yeah, that's pretty, I, that's pretty cool to see. I don't even blame him too, because like. During his time at Real Madrid, people were saying is like he should maybe retire and just go to golf because like yeah. that's what he usually does anyway. So it's like it was that bad where people mm-hmm. were telling him just to like stop, <laughs> stop it- playing. So I think this is going to be something that's going to rejuvenate his career because yeah. although he's on the later half of it, I think he's he still, still so has good. He's a still lot in so his good. tank. And I, I, I'm really excited because I think he'll be inspired to play really well because he might be inspired to show Zidane that, hey, this is what you're missing because you did trust me, you know? Mm-hmm. And he knows this league. He's, I think the way he plays is just built for the Premier League. There's his power, his pace, his ability to shoot from anywhere. Oh, man. I, I, I really think that Gareth Bale can really put out like one of the best, like a really, really good season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and me personally, I think one of the things I'm excited to see is sort of that, you know, that pedigree that Mourinho is bringing in in the locker room because no one else in that locker room besides Mourinho has won a Champions League title, I believe. Um, yes, I, yeah, no one has won a Champions League title. Only Mourinho has. And now he's bringing in a player that's literally won four, has played with like some of the greats like Cristiano Ronaldo, Marcelo, one of, you know, these great players, Ramos. So he's going to be able to bring a lot of that wisdom and a lot of that clutch factor that Tottenham need to probably take that next step to win a trophy this season. So mm-hmm. he was even there to uh, score a bicycle kick against Liverpool oh. in a Champions League final and <laughs> make me cry. But uh, <laughs> but I mean, oh, you can also play anywhere. Like he he's, he's a winger, but like he literally yeah. started at Tottenham as a left back. So I yeah. don't think he's going to play left back because, no. you know, Sergio Reguilon coming in. Mm-hmm. But I will have to say this, Yes, you know, despite... Tottenham bring in all these attackers. I still feel like the spine of their team is still a little meh. Like, yeah, they need to think back. about it. They have like Harry Winks. Yeah. Musa Zizoko. Yeah. And Dumbele, who's maybe getting a little better. Yeah. But then he also like their today. center backs. Wait, yeah. What? And he yeah. scored a goal today in the Europa He did League. score a goal today. That's true. You got the game yeah. winning goal. But I mean, I know what you mean. Like, Eric Dyer is basically their center back. Yeah. And Eric then Dyer, Aldevarold, who's old. He's so old. Yeah. <laughs> So I was wondering, I was like, maybe they should invest in like a new defender, like a new center back, because I don't feel like Alderweireld should be your star, your best defender right now. I feel like that's an yeah. issue. But then uh, one of our longtime listeners, Songmin, he's a Tottenham fan. I was talking to him about it. He's like, who needs defenders when under Jose Mourinho, everyone's a defender? I'm <laughs> like, that's I guess true. that's a fair point. So maybe that's, that's why true. they're not buying dedicated defenders because technically everyone plays defense for Mourinho. So, yeah, I mean, point. that's true. So um, maybe that's why they're not getting any other center backs. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm excited to see how Regulon ends up. I will say this. Um, obviously, if you if you watch, if you listen to last week's episode, Manchester United were really heavily linked to Sergio Regulon, who was the Real, who's the Real Madrid left back 
who was at Sabia at loan last season. Um, he was up for sale. However, the biggest drawback that United had with the deal was that Real Madrid wanted to include a buyback clause. Like they just wanted the buyback clause. And I think it was for the around um, 30 million or so. And United refused um, because obviously if they're signing a player that they think is going to be world-class or really good one day, they want to sell it back to Real Madrid at a cheap price whenever Real Madrid decide they want it back. So for me, that's why, you know, Manchester United ultimately didn't, um, trigger the deal and that's why Tottenham came in and swooped in and got the deal and you know if he ends up becoming a star you know that's good for Tottenham for the time being but they probably have to accept the fact that they're not going to be making a big you know a big profit margin off of him and if he doesn't end up becoming the star then you've kind of just got um, I guess it kind of works out but you know you don't want this guy to be like an average player um, when he fully develops so I don't know. I'm a little, I guess I'm a little hurt about it. I feel like it would have been nice to have him as like a backup or starting option. But I mean, I guess you can kind of see it. You don't want to just buy a player, then have a club basically have the rights to get him at a really, really cheap price if he ends up becoming really, really good. Type it's of like a weird loan scenario yeah. where it's like you can have, you have him, him until but it's he's like, good. Yeah. And then we can <laughs> take him back. Exactly. So um, I don't know. I don't know. If you were, if you were the board, depending on who you were, would you have made that deal? I think in I, Tottenham's case, they desperately needed a left back more. Like they yeah, had Ben Davies and like yeah, that's Danny not Rose, who are both kind of like the same. Yeah. In terms of like the level, quality. the quality. Yeah. yeah. And then I feel like Rilong is going to be a whole different dynamic. And he mm-hmm. helped Sevilla win the Champions or no, the Europa League. Yes. Sorry about that. But <laughs> literally, I think that's going to be also a big boost because he's going to be one of those world up-and-coming world-class players, potentially. So mm-hmm. I think that's a big boost to Tottenham as well. Because, you know, yeah. after seeing Hoybier come in, Joe Hart come in. Yeah, they, and, needed, they needed some... We literally said they didn't make any superstar signings. Now they yeah. made some superstar signings. So now, I mean, literally, uh, it, it's crazy that the window is going on this long because now it just... Because you never know. What if, what if these other teams just start making some world-class signings and it just totally shifts the top four debate again? So... Mm-hmm. It's um I'm gonna keep my predictions for now. Obviously, I changed Liverpool, but uh definitely Tottenham making these signings has me worried and probably the rest of the top four because under Mourinho, you know, he can he can make players work. So you, you never know what you might get from this Tottenham tie, Tottenham side um uh, with these signings now. But moving on to uh Fulham Arsenal, it was the game that kicked off the Premier League season. Uh, uh, Alexander Lacazette scored the first goal, but my gosh, Arsenal! I don't know. Arsenal looked very good, but I don't know if this is more about Arsenal looking good or Fulham looking very bad. I think it's a bit of both, to be honest. Um, I really, really like the way Arsenal had set up their setup, their mentality. You knew exactly what they were going to do. Um, Gabriel had one shaking mo- moment, but he scored his goal. Um, th- there just seems to be a lot more stability at Arsenal when you watch him play. There seems to be a spine. Xhaka knows what he has to do. Um, you know, Bert Leno was playing in goal. You know, you know what you're going to get from him. Willian looked like he offered a lot more stability on the right side. Aubameyang is Aubameyang. He's going to keep scoring goals. Lacazette. I don't know. Um, from an outside perspective, I, I really like what Arteta is doing at Arsenal. I know I keep repeating this, but I, I I'm really enjoying seeing the process and seeing this um, plan take shape under Arteta. And I, um, I think Arsenal, you know, are going to be in a good, good spot um, compared to last season. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been on that Arsenal train where I'm like, all right, this team looks pretty good. It's mm-hmm. kind of like when I saw Leeds and kind of talked about Leeds, that like, their system just kind of worked for the team and they could get a win from anything. I yeah. see that same kind of, mentality in arsenal too where like they can possibly win any game they go into if they play their cards right and like and their tactics kind of go the way they want and for this game it's a little hard to tell whether everything was going right because i feel like fulham was bad yeah they're pretty bad like they're gonna get relegated (laughs) it's confirmation if their games are gonna be like this because they just didn't look the part in terms of just the level of play like Scott Parker on the side was just in a suit like oh man here here we go round two or we're gonna concede <laughs> another 81 goals a season yeah but it was so rough I was like man this team they got lucky to be promoted and they're 
they're just kind of yeah. here for the ride. There's been people saying that there was a record set by Darby County in around like the 09 season where they had the least number of points possible in the Premier League. It was like nine points or something or like 11 points. Those were super low. And people were saying maybe Fulham can beat that record and get even less points. <laughs> Man, that's so, insane. <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of tragic for this Fulham side, especially for those coming back um, this season that were on that previous team that got smacked. But I will say if Arsenal just played really well, they did, they they looked really good, and mm-hmm. they and that's with the side that had El Neni back, which was kind of yeah. weird to see. And then yeah, it's also, been a while since he's been uh, suited up in Arsenal. Yeah, and he also changed his number. He's not four anymore. Yeah. So, and then Gabriel, <laughs> um, he scored in the opening game. Yeah, William had two assists, I believe, in this game. Yeah, William. He also did really well. Like all yeah. the new signings for Arsenal, they just went off. Yeah, and although Gabriel, he was uh, a consequence of Fulham's poor marking. So yeah, that could be at that too. Free header. Yeah, free header. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, uh. Um, I, I, yeah, like we, we've been saying, I think Arsenal are going to be in a good, good spot. I don't think they, yeah, I, I still don't think they have enough to get top four, but I think they're going to be in a really, really good spot in terms of just development and where they take the squad further. Mm -hmm. I think they might have a chance at top four, but I don't know if they're, I don't know if I have them above some of these other teams, but they are pretty, they are heavily linked with, um, uh, Awa, who is the Lyon, basically center attacking midfielder. He's young. He's 22 years old, um, French midfielder. Um, I, I know Fabrizio has said that Awa is basically, he's, I think the thing is like he wants to go, but there has, there hasn't been an official talk between Arsenal and Lyon to get a deal done like that. So um, that could be on the radar, Arsenal fans. Um, you could be getting a very exciting midfielder who, you know, would fit really well in this Arteta style esque system, and will kind of basically be a replacement for Ozil if, if and whenever he kind of gets uh, off the books. You mm-hmm. know, <laughs> he's more box to box too. Yeah, and yeah, whenever you see him in say like career mode for FIFA, like he always mm-hmm. ends up being like a ninety rated player eventually. Yeah, he's just one of those players that I think has it's pretty promising, and also just his style of play is also very sought after in this kind of style of football these days where he can do a little bit of everything and he can do it pretty well. It's also kind of rare to see like there's not many players out there that are like a Genie Wijnaldum or like a Donny van de Beek where mm-hmm. they can do just a little bit of everything pretty well. So yeah. Awar is one of those few players that can do that. But I will say Arsenal did kind of re-sign a good player, a key oh, yeah. cornerstone of their team. Aubameyang Officially confirmed. Officially. Yes. Um, Emmerich Aubameyang will be at Arsenal. For, signed that thing. He signed that thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be great for Arsenal fans. I'm pretty sure they're going off for yeah, that. Yeah, he's locked up for like three years. Mm-hmm. So um, they don't have to worry about him leaving. He's yep. their captain, the goal scorer in this mm-hmm. past game as well. So it's looking pretty I promising think, for them. And it's, uh, you know, he signed that contract saying he wants to become an Arsenal legend. And I was like, that's crazy considering the age that they, you know, bought him at. But I mean, at this rate that he's going, he could. You know, mm-hmm. pretty much like, I mean, have they had a better striker since like Thierry Henry? I know Robin Van Persie was there, but oh my gosh, Aubameyang is, he's A plus quality, A plus mm-hmm. quality striker. But it's, it's a, it's a good indictment on Arsenal that they were able to keep a player like that considering I think Juventus, Barcelona, maybe um, some of these top tier clubs were after Aubameyang's signature clubs that have Champions League, yet he wanted to stay at Arsenal and be proud of this project. So you have a pretty good committed player, Arsenal. So be excited. Mm, very loyal. Very yes, loyal. Very loyal guy. But moving on to um, Brighton Chelsea. This this game we picked out because it was the opening game of this new, basically superstar show we're going to be seeing at Chelsea. It was crazy when I saw the lineup because Kai Havertz and Timo Werner were both um, in the starting lineup. Um, I will say that a lot of uh, Frank Lampard was catching a lot of flack on this game because Havertz was playing as a right winger which is crazy to me because Havertz to me needs to be playing either on the left side or, you know, basically as a number 10 because that's, you know, the type of player he is. But he was playing on the right wing. Um, He didn't look that effective. He looked, he had a couple decent moments. I know he played in Werner in the first half and Werner looked pretty sharp in the first half and then he kind of disappeared in the second half. Maybe that was down to stamina, 
um, you know, issues like that. I think Werner will be fine. You know, we're going to start seeing the best of Werner soon. Havertz might take a little bit to get acclimated to the Premier League. I know Thiago Silva was in training, but the biggest storyline for me out of this game was Kepa, Aritha Balaga, made another huge mistake behind goal for Chelsea. It's almost, it's it's not even shocking at this point. I mean, if you literally look at his stats, it's he's literally a bad keeper. There's just no <laughs> words for it. I mean, you can look at the stats. I think he has the worst shot save percentage in the Premier League mm-hmm. or second to worst, which is crazy considering how expensive he is. He was 24, 25 at this point. Um, and literally a ball was, a Brighton shot was just straight at him and he just let it past him. He just let it past in the goal. So he has no confidence. Frank Lampard uh, doesn't have confidence in him. And they basically have almost confirmed the signing of, of Mendy, the goalkeeper from Stade Rennais, uh 28-year-old Senegalese um, goalkeeper. And he'll basically slot in and be the number one guy because Caballero, he's decent, but he's not going to win you a Premier League title. I'm afraid, I'm sorry, Caballero fans, but he's not good enough to win a Premier League title. So for me, they need to get that goalkeeping situation sorted out. And if they do, they can really kick on and get the season rolling because Kepa is not going to get the job done. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if uh, Mendy is going to do it either, but I think he's going to be, be better than Kepa. Hopefully, he's be better than Kepa. Ho- yeah, hopefully, if he's not better than Kepa, it's like, geez, that <laughs> how do you be, be worse you than get Kepa? Check at this out of point? retirement. Do you get check? <laughs> But I definitely think Chelsea really need a world-class keeper if they really are serious about the title chase. Because if anything shows from the Liverpool run that we had with Karius and goal, yeah, or it really takes a, a poor keeper to lose you the title or even lose you a Champions League final. So mm-hmm. really, literally after you got Ali Sun, we win the title. So I think if you even look back to the, like the other previous eras of of Premier League winners is always a key cornerstone, a key leader, and a lot of competition for that goalkeeper position. Leaders like Petr Cech, Schmeichel, like whatever Schmeichel you can think of, Petr Schmeichel or Casper Schmeichel, Casper Schmeichel, like both won the Premier League, and then De Gea and Mendesar, like, and then you go even further back, you got like David Seaman and Jan Zleman, like literally the list goes on and on, but. You don't see like a Kepa winning the Premier League. You don't see mm-hmm. like Willie Caballero. I mean, he won as a backup, but he wasn't a starting keeper. So yeah. I really do think Chelsea needed to, if anything, they needed an upgrade in their defense, including the including goalkeeper. And that's the one position they haven't really uh, invested in yet. Ironically enough, during this past game against Brighton, they're people that they invest in, in up front in the attacking. They weren't the ones who really got the goals. It was the defenders. Like Reese yeah. James scored a, a monster of a long shot. Yeah. But it was kind of ironic seen... that <laughs> they didn't really yeah. turn up. So I don't know how this... Che- I think it's going to take a few months for this Chelsea mm. team to really gel. And I think it's more so... A lot of people are saying Chelsea's going to go off. Even we're both saying Chelsea's going to get top four. But I think also it's just the added pressure that Chelsea have to win or at least get top four of the season again because Roman Abramovich is going to put the pressure on Lampard. And I think that kind of pressure might force them to to play well. And, you know, say for Liverpool, the reason why maybe people are saying they're not going to win the title or they're not playing as well right now is because they don't really have that pressure anymore. They don't really have that that need to, like, defeat Perform. history and yeah. you know win, bring back the trophy. It'd be super nice and ideally we keep this dynasty going or this is the start of a dynasty Yeah, but it's Liverpool hard to keep, keep winning it, it over. But it's also like a different pressure, a different kind of expectation now for the team. Whereas mm. Chelsea is like very much like, alright, we can't can't lose otherwise you're going to get fired. <laughs> and we also put all this money in. It's like yeah. we're going all in. This is it. So um, this is going to be a big test for Frank Lampard and He's going to have to make these big decisions. And I think Kepa really does have to go. I don't know where he'd go. Because yeah, I don't know who would take him. I feel like they would have to do some sort of loan situation where they pretty much pay like majority of his wages and he just gets sent out to Spain. Because yeah. like to Spain. they paid 70 million for him. Like yeah. he's the most expensive keeper of all time still. So who's going to even pay a fraction of that? I don't know. Yeah. And who's also going to deal with his ego because Attitude. even though... Yeah, his attitude. He's literally one of the most 
disrespectful players. Disrespectful players. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how you're even going to deal with that because, like, on top of just the fact that he's not a very good keeper, you have to deal with that, like that ego. It's like, geez, it's like you're really going to have to be desperate to get Kepa on your team, and Chelsea are going to have to, you know, play their cards right to at least kind of gain some of their money back from mm-hmm. Kepa's transfer. So. I don't know where he's going to end up. I, I'd be very surprised if he remains a Chelsea player. At the same time, not really surprised if they can't get rid of him, but I'd be surprised if he's starting a lot of games. That's what mm-hmm. I'll say, especially if Mendy comes in. Yeah, I, I agree too. I, I just don't think you can trust Kepa at this point because the attitude problems there, his performance has been horrible. Um, it, it was interesting. I think Tim Howard said on the broadcast that if he had to pick, he would probably go with... with he feels more confident with Willy Caballero in goal than Kepa, which is not that bad of a statement to say, but my gosh, um, you know, if you're Kepa, that's that's a huge indictment of how bad you've been that Willy Caballero is now seen as the better option than you. Uh, I trust though, Tim Howard in goal. Yeah. <laughs> and he's retired. <laughs> exactly. Um, so it's, it's just a bad situation for Chelsea and their goalkeeping because it seems like they upgraded everything on the pitch, just the goal, just not the goalkeeping um, position. And I don't know, maybe Mendy is the guy that takes them the step further. But, you know, I'm not even going to lie. Up until this point, I didn't even know who this guy was. No, I didn't uh, know who Mendy was either. It's like another yeah, Fernand Torres situation. Exactly. So <laughs> is this guy a world-class goalkeeper that's just no one's known about because he's been in league on this whole time? I don't know. I just never heard about him because, you know, usually people you hear about like uh, Anthony Lopez, right? From Lyon. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's his name, right? Anthony Lopez. Yeah. Um, then like- you have, uh, I mean, then you had Ali Song back in the day at Roma. They, then you have, um, gosh, some of the German keepers. I'm trying to remember their names. The one I mean, that plays for Leverkusen. Uh, uh, well, there's Ter Stegen. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ter Stegen. And then there was the, um, was it? Who's Who's after, the other one? Who took after Ter Stegen? Oh, yeah. yeah Jan Sommer. Yeah, Jan, Jan Sommer. Yeah. yeah, you had these goalkeepers that, you know, that would just pop up with their names and their talent. And I don't know. Mendy just hasn't been on the radar. So, yeah, he literally has not been on the radar at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's a, the difference. Like you heard of Ali Song. You heard of Solmar and you've heard of Anthony Lopez because like, yeah. even in, in video games, they're like high. Could you imagine if they keepers. got like Peter Golacci? That'd be insane. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> Peter Golacci, even back in the days, I was like, geez, please don't have him on my team. But I mean, even now he's one of the high, highly rated keepers. So mm-hmm. maybe Mendy might be one of those like late bloomers. But yeah, Loki would be surprised because he's playing in league. Oh, it's not the most competitive league. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I feel like there's other options out there that Chelsea could have definitely gone for. Maybe realistically they they couldn't because of just situations like you know Donnarumma is going to be one of those world class players. I don't know they can just grab him, and then just other players that I've just been hearing about like Lafont or yeah. If they if they got Donnarumma, you might as well just like uh, you might as well just pack up the Premier League title and give it to them at that point. (laughs) I mean that that would be insane the amount of young talent they would have on that team or like even Perrin like just other just keepers that you kind of heard of and you know were at one point noted to be potentially world class but mm-hmm. Mendy that's it's, it's a quite of a risk in my opinion yeah. but at this point anything's an upgrade over Kepa so yeah who knows ba- yeah and I think that's the uh, that's the strategy Chelsea's going with because I don't think Lampard really likes Kepa Kepa was never his keeper that was somebody that was bought I don't think under. anyone likes Kepa <laughs> yeah no one likes Kepa but I was think Kepa likes Kepa <laughs> no no <laughs> Kepa definitely like likes himself because like he's like I'm the manager, and I feel like he's the only player that thinks he's good. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's gonna be interesting to see how this Mendy transfer turns out. But yeah, that's kind of it with Chelsea. And going on to the previews for these um, the games this weekend, we have three games. Obviously, like our classic formula, we're gonna start off with two Manchester clubs are gonna be um, facing off the for the first time in the Premier League season. Uh, obviously, they had a week break to kind of catch up and everything because of their extended runs in the European competitions. But Manchester United versus Crystal Palace. I don't know. I'm excited for this game. It's it's a little underwhelming because the United haven't made all the transfers that they would have, as fans, we would have hoped um, to make. But we still have Donny van de Beek. We have Paul Pogba's back in training. I think he... Um, I think he might be fit to make the bench. Bruno Fernandez has been in training. Maguire's been in training. You know, all the star players that we know, part of the squad, have been in training and have been well. 
And, you know, they're going to be at home. And this is going to be against the Crystal Palace team that did beat them at home last season. 2-1 when Van Aanholt scored at Fergie time, created uh, Roy Hudson time. <laughs> but oh my gosh. <laughs> for me, I... I don't know. I think United might actually get... Uh, I think they will get off the ground running in the Premier League. I think they'll get a 2-0 victory. Because I, I still think they still have a lot of talent and quality in the squad in their starting 11. And I think it might be a little too much for Palace. I I am just going to be quick to say I agree with uh, <laughs> United beating Crystal Palace. Because I also i am just going to stick on my train of saying Crystal Palace are going to get relegated this season. Oh, yeah. So I have to stick with that. I can't can't go back until they kind of prove me wrong. But they, <laughs> Crystal Palace did sneak in a 1-0 victory last week. And I was like, mm, yeah. Zaha, why you got to do this to me? Yeah. But uh, I'd, I'd still say United are just a class above, say, a Southampton side that Crystal Palace faced. And Van de Beek, I'm, I'm still high on the Van de Beek train. Mm-hmm. I'm still sad that y'all got him. So it's kind of, we, we kind of traded. I'm yeah. sad that y'all got Van de Beek and you're sad that we got Thiago, so yeah. <laughs> but you know, all their players for United, they are back. Like you know, Maguire's on parole, whatever. He's not in jail. So, and I think they have they're on track to have like a big season. I really think Marcus Rashford is going to really get the hit the ground running, especially with the cast sporting cast behind him with Bruno Fernandez, Pogba, everyone's back. So, I hope it's so. going to be. It's going to be good. I think United are going to win big. It's going to be 3-0. That's what I'm going with. Okay, I go 2-0. You go 3-0. Nice. So I'm hoping that Tyler's have more faith in United than (laughs) (laughs) than you have faith. And you have more faith in Liverpool than I have faith in Liverpool. So I guess that makes sense. If you you listen to the podcast, you've kind of seen how this this train has gone. That's true. There's been episodes where I've just been so disappointed in the team where I can't even trust them to do anything correctly. The number of titles we've had for episodes of Yush roasting United are pretty uh, significant. I think you count them on on uh, two fingers at this point, but <laughs> yeah. um, two hands. Yeah, two hands, two hands. Um, and then our next game we have Wolves versus Manchester City. I know I've changed my pick on who will win the title, but I think Wolves might actually get this. No, I will say this game will probably end up becoming a two-two draw. Because Wolves looked really, really good in their last game. Um, Jimenez scored a really, really good goal. Potence looked really lethal. Um, I mean, the the team is just so good still. Um, Roman Saiz is good. I mean, they just have such good quality and talent around the squad. They play with a good system. Manchester City, I know they will be ready to go. But that defense, like we keep saying, that defense still scares me. And they still... I don't think we'll be good enough defensively to keep this Wolves side um, scoreless. So I think the game will finish 2-2. Hmm. Wolves was the team that also snuck in a win. They with beat that him twice. Yeah, the, the Willie Bolly cheese header though. Or like whatever <laughs> his goal where they didn't really catch the uh, the infringement. But yes. maybe Wolves will have that uh, luck again. I don't see them winning. But it'd be... It'd be, I feel like it'd be easy to say City win this game. Mm-hmm. And it's it's also a little difficult to see how they'll do because or City will do because like now this is their kind of big first game back after getting knocked out of the Champions League. So their spirits, their kind of mentality will kind of really show during this first game back. Are they going to be in it to to win it like how they have been previously in the previous few seasons where they go into every single game looking like they're going to either win 5-0 or lose 2-1. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's it's going to be like clockwork for them. But I I honestly will also agree with you, Yush. It's, I don't want to okay. keep agreeing with you for every single prediction, but this one I can't really say no to. But I think it'll be... Dang, I'm going to have to say 2-2 as well because I don't see it be as low scoring as 1-1. Let's go. So, and like Rahul <laughs> Jimenez, like... He just looked so good last game. I, was, I know. I was like, oh my gosh. He's I don't think Akeken's going to stop him. So Yeah. Ake's <laughs> so, so weak, man. Can't hold on to Jimenez. But, oh my. Um, and in the final game, we've got the big game, Chelsea-Liverpool. Um, yes, I'm really excited. This is going to be a good, good matchup. But I will just go ahead and say this. I think Liverpool will end up winning this game 3-1. I think um, it's going to be exciting, but I think, you know, I think Jurgen Klopp, you know, after that cheese Lampard gave him last season at the end of last season and the, the, the kind of, I wouldn't say disrespect, but kind of the, 
um, the little bit of back talking and trash talking that he continued doing to uh, Jurgen Klopp at the end of that game. Um, I think it, you know, I think I think Klopp remembers that, and I think his Liverpool side remember getting beaten by uh, Chelsea as well. Um, so I'm going to go with Liverpool three one because I think that that revenge factor is there. I think Klopp will want to show the young Lampard a lesson, and um, you know that defense is still an issue. Kepa still an issue, so I'm still going to go three one because I think Liverpool will want to teach Lampard and this Chelsea team like who the champions are and who the defending champs are. So. 3-1 Liverpool. Man, we really are going to agree with all the, <laughs> the, the previews for this planned. one. But I I don't know if it'll be a 3-1. I feel like that's a little high because mm. it was a really close game between Leeds and Liverpool in this, in this past game. And also, it's I feel like it's more likely Chelsea will score more than one. Mm. So... Oh, I don't know. It's the only thing I feel like Liverpool have for them in terms of scoring is that Salah is still the same Salah as previous seasons. He's going off Mane and Firmino a little rusty. Yeah, I was, was going to say Mane looked a little rusty against Leeds. Yeah. Like the, the the connection they have is still there. It's just like the finishing was kind of meh. Mm-hmm. But with Kepa at the wheel for Chelsea, anything's possible. You've got to shoot it at him. You've got to shoot it at him. It's like if you get on target, high chance it goes in. So I think if Liverpool go into that mentality, they'll win 3-2. But I think it's going to be a pretty high-scoring game given if Liverpool have a lot more mistakes again like last game and if Kepa's in goal. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's the which big is thing. a given. So I think it'll be a pretty high-scoring game. It'll be a good game. And yeah, I'm excited. I, um, You know, depending if Thiago gets announced tomorrow and... You know, maybe it's one of those quick turnarounds like we saw with Bruno Fernandes, Kai Havertz, where he can, Klopp can kind of just insert him into the lineup because he has been training with Bayern Munich still. And Bayern mm-hmm. Munich play a high pressing type of style as well. So his fitness levels will be good. But um, yeah, I, I just think Liverpool will be a little too much for Chelsea, especially this young, budding Chelsea team that probably needs a little bit more time to get adjusted to each other. So I'm going 3 1. Tyler's going 3 2. So we'll see how this one goes out. But yeah, that um, kind of wraps up episode 89 for us. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please make sure to rate, comment, subscribe. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. Um, we want to hear your comments. Um, make sure to give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at the at the Premier Pod. Also follow us and subscribe to us on YouTube, um, which is also at the Premier Pod. You can catch the uh, full episodes on there as well. So yeah, follow us, follow us, follow us on all of our social medias. But that kind of wraps up. Um, episode 89 for us. Thank you guys so much for listening um, and peace. Peace.